Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers. And this happy season coming into the holidays, we are going to preview the Minnesota Vikings traveling to visit the Detroit Lions, the Motor City Kitties, who happen to be favored by two points in this game. How in the world can the Vikings be underdogs to a team that's below 500. We'll get into that. But first, we're going to talk about should Jalen Rager see more time on the offense? Should he get more snaps? Should he take them away from KJ Osborne? Good questions. Then I'm going to get into a deep dive into concussions. Yes, that impact to the brain that causes damage and how it affects the game we love and some of the players we love, in particular, Christian Derrissaw and Caleb Evans this season. And is there a way to make it just a bit better or lessen the chance? We'll get into that. And then thirdly, we'll dive into that game against the Lions and look at how they possibly could be favored which still blows my mind, or how the Vikings could whoop their butt, clinch the division, and come home with caps and t-shirts. Next on 2-0 Blockers. Climb in the pocket, Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents 2-0 Bloggers. Starting now. Hey everybody, it's Dave here again from warm southern Texas, central Texas, and Darren over there. Speaking of warm, how are things in the great white north? Oh, Dave. <clears throat> Different days, same same weather patterns. But snow? I don't care about the weather. I'm looking, yeah, we got some snow a couple of days. It was really cold this week, then it then it uh, warmed up, but then when it warms up, you get snow, which means I have to shovel. So I'm either freezing or I'm shoveling. Sometimes I'm doing both. Upper body workout. Yeah, no, yeah, no. They, they, the shoulders are doing well. It's got the, the forearms are looking good. Uh, but uh, hey, not, you know, I can get over that if the Vikings punch their ticket to the playoffs tomorrow. That's... That's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, want to welcome everybody that's joined us so far. Michael, the Drewster is with us, and Purple Haze. All three of you have commented. I know there's more watching, so hop on in, chat, and join the show. Speaking of it, let's get this. Tell thing. me how stupid I am for some of my Viking takes, too. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this thing going. We named it Underdog Big. Uh, explanation point, question mark, question bang, interrog. I think it's called an intero bang. Um, how in the world are we underdogs? We're going to get into that this week. We're also going to talk about Jalen Raker, who you see right there on the screen. First, let's get into theme one. You wanted to talk about more Jalen Rager versus KJ Osborne. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be uh, 
have too many opportunities this season to talk about Jalen Rager, the way things are going, but, uh, but uh, what's happened the past couple of weeks and really with KJ Osborne, what's happened with him the whole season as uh, this is, brought some, has been something that's come you know has been on my mind the past couple of weeks and has actually been on the mind of other people's too uh, who brought this up that I've read but uh, but yeah Jalen Rager uh, last week Jalen Rager had two snaps offensive snaps in the the win over the Jets one of those snaps he had a 38 yard catch that set up a touchdown uh, score for the Vikings and then uh, he had an eight yard uh, run on an end, on a kind of an end around type deal uh, and Two weeks uh, against New England, Mary's here, Skull Mary, two, uh, two weeks ago against, or not quite two weeks ago against New England. He also had two offensive snaps, and one of those was a 25-yard catch against the Patriots that also set up uh, you know, a score for, score for the Vikings. So, um, and really, those two snaps, uh, two offensive snaps, um, that's not been a rare thing for Jalen Rager, actually. Uh, that's almost all, a lot of uh, work for him, the way he's been utilized in the Vikings offense this year. He's gone three games where he hasn't had any offensive snaps at all. The most he had has been 12, and that was in the Dallas game. when And basically all of those snaps happened in the fourth quarter when the starters were out and we were getting blowing out. So, so we're not really getting much production from Jalen Rager uh, and Kwesi Adolfo-Mensa isn't getting much production from Jalen Rager. He isn't making much of an impact, even though Kwesi Adolfo-Mensa traded two picks to get Rager, uh, two low rounder, more lower round picks, but still um, he hasn't made much of an impact on the offense. But you look at the last two weeks, he's made two big plays and, you know, that gets me thinking, is there, uh, should he get a bigger role? Is there a bigger role for him to play on this Vikings offense? And, the guy that most obviously that he would take playing time from, I think that you can identify, is K.J. Osborne. And um, Will Raggetts uh, from Sports Illustrated, he uh, had a when he was looking at snap counts a couple of weeks ago after the New England game, he brought up some troubling stats about Osborne in that story. And those stats were, out of 67 receivers with at least 40 targets, K.J. Osborne ranked dead last in yards run per route. Out of 67 receivers with at least 40 targets, KG Osborne ranked 66th in receiving grade. And out of 67 receivers with at least 40 targets, KJ Osborne ranked 67th in passer rating when target. And oh, by the way, KJ Osborne is currently ranked by Pro Football Focus as out of 119 receivers, KJ Osborne is ranked 105th. Um, I don't think I need to uh, explain that <laughs> that, uh, that those aren't good rankings uh, and uh, disappointing after last year. He had a pretty good year. Uh, I was talking him up. I was optimistic that he could be maybe really push Adam Thielen out of the number two role and that he would continue to progress. That has not happened. Uh, so disappointing. And I think it's because he's the number three guy and he plays a lot of snaps, um, you know, it, there's for the Vikings on. I think this is this is impacting the Vikings offensively because Adam Thielen isn't quite what he used to be. He's not 2016, 2017 Adam Thielen. I don't think Adam Thielen. He's still effective, but I don't think he's scaring anybody out there. Uh, so it's JJ Justin Jefferson against the world right now in a lot of cases, along with uh, TJ Hawkinson, who's helped out a lot. I gotta yes. admit that. But. Um, Still, uh, this you know the offense needs room for improvement. I think, and one of the ways you can get improvement is you, you know, you you put in uh, you play you put players who are better and play them more. 
And so my feeling is maybe Jalen Rager has more to give. If uh, when you look at the the Vikings right now, um, you look at the Jets game, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Our offense was excellent in the first half. We had uh, scored five out of the six. I think five out of the six, uh, we scored 20 points in the first half against the sixth ranked uh, defense and in, in points against We uh, in that game. And uh, we scored on, I believe, five of our six drives. And really, the, the, the one that we didn't score on was a kneel down, basically, uh, at the end of the half. But then in the second half, we went one for seven in offensive drives. I, uh, to be fair, one of those was a kneel down at the end of the game, too. So let's say we went one for six. Uh, four of those five non-scoring drives were three and outs. And that allowed the Jets to get back into the game, uh, wear our defense out. And so and make really, it a heart attack game again. Yeah, the, the ninth one we've had this year. Uh, but I just, you know, when you look at the Vikings, uh, there's, you, you, you know, you, you got to look at ways of improving this. Is there a way that the Vi- that the Vikings offense can be a little bit more effective? Uh, well, and what are your options to to improve on that? Well, the trading deadline's over, so you can't trade for anybody anymore. The Vikings have just under a million in cap space, according to um, the uh, what's the name of it? The uh, the uh, the cap one of the cap. Uh, right. I think it's over over, over the, cap, the cap. Anyway, they said so. Even if you wanted to bring in someone like the Odell, the infamous Odell Beckham Jr., the Vikings probably can't because you can't. You probably can't afford them. Maybe you could move some salary around, but uh, but it'd be difficult. It'd be challenging. So and, those and two he's options. He's not even visiting the Vikings. So no, he isn't. Uh, but but let's just say that he was a possibility. Money might be a factor. And concerning him, there's also rumors he's already failed one physical, and people mm-hmm. are worried about the recovery from the knee injury, being that he's had multiple, I think now, and so. Even if you had the money, it would it? I don't know. It's old Odell. Oh hell yes, that would be sweet. But mm-hmm. today's Odell, I'm not so sure. Um, True. Um, still, you've got uh, so trading deadline is is gone. you know that's done and dusted. Uh, again, you don't really have any money to bring anybody in, and it's kind of late in the season for that player to have much of an impact anyway. So if you want to improve the offense or your team as a whole, you got to look at, okay, maybe the, the coaches can get a little bit better and and the, the players that you have can, through the coaching, can execute better during games, and those are ways to improve the team. But the other thing is, like I said, you put in a player who's underperforming and put in a, a player who's on the bench right now and put him in there and see if he can provide your offense with better play, better performance in a spark. And so, you know, so the Vikings offense now, whoever, everybody that they got on the roster, that's their, one of their options to improve the team. Jalen Rager is an underused guy. Uh, maybe there's good reason for that, but I think that they got to look at a way to or consider a way to give him more snaps and give him some of the snaps KJ Osborne has. Um, now, you, you know, let's be frank. Um, you got to admit that uh, Jalen Rager right now, he's had six catches for 87 yards this year, this year, a couple of carries for 25 yards. That's, that's it for him as far as his offensive production. And, and Philly, well, in Philly how many snaps. Well, he's, he's like, under 50 offensive snaps, something like that, I think. Not not very many. He's uh, 
It's, uh, I got something in the way. He has a grand total of 40 offensive snaps. Do you know how many snaps K.J. Osborne has? K.J. Osborne had, had more snaps in, or had the same amount of, more snaps in last week's game against the Jets <laughs> than, than Raiders had Osborne the whole season. has exactly 600 offensive snaps so far this season versus 40. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, as you see the numbers, I've got his offensive grades up there, and by far, they blow away the 50s of K.J. Osborne. Now They sure do. Very small sample size, but small, something uh, to consider. Is small, yes. Something to consider. Uh, and uh, look, uh, Jalen Rager is uh, – it's be be no we we have to point out that in Philly and he had a lot of opportunity in Philly those last two years he never caught more than 33 catches okay uh if you add up his production in his two seasons at Philly the other than catches he under he he doesn't match up with the yardage and touchdown catches that KJ Osborne had just last year in 2021 but that was last year we're talking about this year and you don't have to watch the game the KJ Osborne and Jalen Rager play for more than five minutes to tell that Jalen Rager is the faster, more explosive athlete. Oh, yes. uh, he was, you know, he was picked in the first round for a reason. He caught 70 balls and over a thousand yards one year at TCU. So he's a talent. Uh, hasn't been able to put it together at the pro level yet, but if the Vikings want to make some incremental improvement in offense, cut down on some of those, you know, they've got to cut down on some of those dry spells that are happening every week on offense. Especially in the third quarter. Yeah, especially in the third quarter. And as we get into the playoffs, that's going to be even more important because you're playing better teams and they're going to capitalize when you, and going to make us pay if we have these offensive lulls. And so maybe Jalen Rager, if you're, if Kevin and Kevin O'Connell's top. Oh, no. And we get the the weekly freeze up in Yellowknife, where Darren's internet goes to crap. It's got to be the weather up there. Or what he's what he's getting at, or what I can get at is Jalen Rager has promise. Jalen Rager has the ability, if utilized correctly, he has the speed. He can take opposing teams over the top and he can catch the ball most of the time. He has had previous history of dropping balls, but if he catches the ball most of the time, you can get benefit. Now I did hear he has a hard time picking up the playbook. Well, if he's having a hard time translating the playbook, maybe he's got all the physical gifts in the world. It's just the, the intelligence portion of it isn't quite there. I would sit him down with a tutor, real simple. Find out the way, how does he learn? Is he a visual learner? Is he a repeat learner? Is he a reader? Is he a listening style learner? And then just drill that, drill that, drill that, drill that until he picks up the majority of the playbook. So it is an issue and that he can come in and make a bigger impact. Now, that's just something I've heard through my beat writer friends. I don't know if it's true. Uh, but it just like we were talking about earlier, you want to constantly improve. That was a philosophy of the greatest colonel I ever worked with, worked with, and he went on to become a general. If you're constantly improving your position, you're going to succeed most of the time. If 
Jalen Rager is working towards with Keenan McCardell is working with him to improve, learn that playbook, learn to run the routes, learn to do the, learn when Kirk Cousins calls an audible what it means. He will become a bigger impact than KJ Osborne ever can, and he's going to have more opportunities too because of his pedigree. He's faster. He came in the first round. He's just as big. He blocks just as well. There's the old KJ blocks better. Well, no. PFF generally is right, especially over a long period of time. KJ, yeah, he block. You know, he can block, and yeah, we think he can get that first down when needed. But he isn't the big difference maker that we want Rager to be uh, when he gets there. And my question is: Is it Rager or Rager? <laughs> I always say Rager, but uh, e- either way, I'd like to see him play a little bit more. <laughs> me too. This <laughs> first Kevin week, I heard the other saying the pronunciation guide is re- actually Rager. And I was like, oh, I've always called him Rager, but anyways, yeah. I did, but yeah. Kevin O'Connell talked this week about uh, that he felt that uh, that uh, Jalen was actually uh, he now he was more comfortable with what the Vikings are doing on offense, which means he's more comfortable with the playbook. Playbook, as you were talking about some of the potential mm-hmm. possible struggles with the playbook, uh, and that, that he had challenged uh, Rager, and uh, that he might there might be more opportunities for him. Uh, I would like to see that if, uh, if you know. I think again, if the Vikings give maybe. Uh, 10, 10 to 15 of KJ Osborne snaps to Jalen Rieger, uh, how much of a difference is that going to make in the Vikings offense? Can that improve them just a little bit, make them more explosive, harder to defend so that, again, uh, you cut down on some of those three and outs, that multiple three and outs that we're seeing, particularly in the third quarter. Um, it, it, that's something that's intrigued me right now mm-hmm. because you, you got a 10 and two team uh, and things are going pretty well, but there are certainly things that aren't going well and one of those things is the offensive lulls that we keep on seeing game in and game out. And they happen to have, they always seem to happen in the same times in, in the game. Like you say, the third mm-hmm. quarter, uh, parts of the second quarter. Uh, so uh, I think, you, you, but if you got better players in there than the guys that you had previously, your offense should function better, should be harder to defend. More guys get open, more options for Kirk. Uh, and uh, the offense just hums along better. And again, it, I think it's time to kind of see if Rager can get uh, take a bigger bite out of the offensive snap pie than what he's getting right now, which is basically nothing. Right. Two snaps a game isn't a whole yeah. lot. And you know if he comes in and he lines up and he starts to, you know, motion around the back, it it's one of those types of plays, maybe a jet sweep or something, and other teams are going to look for that. But he's good at it. He's got the speed to get the ball, get around the corner, and go. Um but yes, if you build up and incrementally build up, it adds more weapons. It adds higher quality weapons. It's that constant improvement deal. Let's get a little bit here. When Kevin O'Connell talks about winning those at the margins, winning those little bits. Well, let's improve that little bit. If Rager can improve us that little bit, let's keep that going and get better. And that will help us going into the playoffs. And, and, and Rager's here next year too, right? So, yes, uh, um, 
and under contract and on a very cheap contract. And with the way he's played so far, he's not going to be looking for an extension and he's not going to get one high priced extension. So, uh, we, you know, using him more now, we can find out also how we can utilize him better next year or if we can utilize him at all next year, yes. in, in which case that also impacts how your, your drafting plan, your free agency plan. Do you need to draft a wide receiver early next year because Jalen Rager is not getting it done and you know Adam Thielen slowing down and you know KJ Osborne is not all that and has not progressed from 2021 uh, and same thing in, in free agency maybe you decide you got to throw some money at getting a more uh, like a, a wide receiver with promise uh, and uh, and beefing up your wide receiver game because let me tell you the lions are doing it <laughs> uh, the bears are going to be beefing up their wide receiver core next year uh in in uh, in packer land christian watson's starting to look good over there romeo dobbs had look had flashes this year so there's a uh, again continuous improvement because you can't stay pat and expect to stay on top of the nfc north it's just it doesn't doesn't work that way mm-hmm. yep i agree and hopefully, you know, he can improve, become the wide receiver two heir apparent and be paired with Justin Jefferson for a long time. Let's see some of that this year. And like yeah. I said, develop him, get those little bits, get him better, because it could be dynamic. That brings us to the end of theme one, where we, of course, talk about Lewis and his Absolutely beautiful scrolls, scroll saw art. You still can get 20% off any piece you want. Uh, anything that he normally has, his skull signs or his Justin Jefferson doing the gritty or anything. You can commission him to it. And it's 20% off with the promo code of CT Pocket. And uh, he is damn good at what he does. And he's I know I talked to him a couple of days ago. He's working on a big batch of little skull signs. So uh, should be good. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, Devin says uh, we're overrating Rager. KJ has one in one season of wide, res- wide receiver three, basically what Rager had a career. Yes, but what Rager has is the potential. And that's why I talked about the teaching methods earlier, Devin. Rager has more speed than KJ does. That's obvious. Rager also has size. He can block. He's got he's bigger, I believe, than KJ. Not by much. KJ's not small either. But with that speed, if he can learn it all and learn it and commit it, and people are different styles of learners. That's just the way it is. I I prefer a visual. Uh, secondary to me is audio. Uh, there are some people that can read something and know exactly what it said and recite it like that. I can't do that. That's not me. That's not my style. Uh, you find the style of the player because coaches are teachers, right? And if you find that style that they use that works best for them, you can get great improvement. It's just like in business. If you are the leader of your team, you can do that and groom the people coming up behind you. You hope that comes from above to you as well. It's it's part of life. It doesn't matter if you're a kid in school, a young football player, or my age, right? And I'm trying to learn how to do something like make videos. Um, 
it if you get the right stuff, it works and you can move a whole lot further. And that's what we want for Jalen Rager. Hopefully he can become that. Because if he can, he's a steal. Literally, he was first round draft choice. As we all know, he went right ahead of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson out of that whole draft class is obviously the best. But if we can get two of those guys, basically for the price of one, I mean, yeah, we gave some low round draft choices, the the Vikings will benefit. And we already know he runs faster, better, and makes bigger plays so far this season than K.J. Osborne has. And if we can take that and turn that into an advantage, especially rolling into the playoffs, we should. That's where I'm getting at. Now, and I, yeah. hmm. oh, I, I was just going to say, I, you know, I, I know, I know what Devin's saying, but uh, I don't think that we were overrating Jalen Rager. We we just think that uh, based on how KJ Osmond's playing been playing this year and the very little we've seen of Jalen Rager the past two weeks in particular that uh wouldn't it make sense with the Vikings struggling on offense at certain points of the game to get Rager in there a little bit more and see if he can do in longer stretches of periods what he's doing with two snaps right now mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last two weeks um maybe he he catches another 30 yard pass in the 10 extra snaps he has and you get it. And that leads to a a field goal or another touchdown that the Vikings are not getting when they're going three and out five straight drives in the third quarter. Exactly. Because KJ Osborne obviously ain't helping us in the, you know, (laughs) get out of those. That's why we have these problems. The third quarter. It's not all KJ Osborne. No, it isn't. No, that's right. Yeah. And, and the calling now on to theme two. This one's going to be interesting. This one I wanted to get into because of what we've seen so far this season. And I'm going to be talking about concussions, protocols, and uh, helmets. We are going to get into it. We all know this started earlier this year when we saw this. Tua Tagovailoa got hit. Second game in a row. First game, you know, he slammed his head against the turf, back in the turf. And he got up and he wobbled and almost fell down. And they said, no. They they checked him out and said, fine, it was a back injury. He's good to go the next week. And then next week he gets picked up, slammed into the turf. And you see the fingers do the, that's called fencing. Um, I thought it was a. I thought it was, we were watching this together and we thought, it, I thought a severe neck injury, head injury type deal, something nerve because the way that he acted. But it was obviously a head injury. It turned out to be a concussion the second time. Um, in a short period of time, it was severe and he got hauled off on a stretcher, went to the hospital, etc. Now, what is a concussion? I'm going to switch. Uh, I'll give you a definition first. Uh, concussion is a type of traumatic brain injury, as we all know. Um, it's uh, abbreviated TBI. Caused by a bump, blow, or jolt to the head, hit to the body that causes the head or brain to move rapidly back and forth. It's a sudden movement. Uh, it can twist. Uh, Something and it also creates chemical changes. We'll get into that when 
the brain is if my left hand's your skull and my right hand my fist is there if you sit there and you float back and forth because there's a little bit of room if that smashes and gets bruised and you destroy some of the brain cells it releases a different type of chemical and i'm trying to remember what it was maybe like niacin or something something that seems not dangerous but it is to the brain area and uh and, and that's what happens. And it, it's literally, when you have a concussion, it is the brain slamming against the inside of the skull. It's And it, it, think of a bruised brain. That's what you're doing. You hit it hard enough, it will bust capillaries and brain cells, and you have a bruised brain. That messes with you and can cause severe problems. And possibly even death if you do it hard enough. Now, there's your definition right there. By the CDC. And who cannot trust the CDC? Well, we know Christian Derrissaw has had two this season. And he's coming In short off succession. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back to back. We also know Caleb Evans now has three this season. And he was just put on IR this week so that he has at least four weeks to heal. Uh, Derisaw was marked as questionable. He's passed, gone through the protocol. He He's advanced. He can play Sunday. But they're putting him as questionable because they're not worried as much, or a little bit worried about him. So that's what you have. Those guys having concussions. Now, how many players get concussions? We have, let's see, um, players getting concussions, numbers-wise. The NFL tracks it. They've tracked it since 2015. Here we have the concussion data, preseason and regular seasons combined. And you can see 2015, it was 275 concussions. No concussions. They are getting better. So far as of, that's through week 12. It does not include week 13. They have 101. That's still not a good number. Um, But you can see it's trending down. 2020 was the COVID year. That made it a little bit lower. In 2021, while you got the double asterisk there, is because we've gone to a 17-game regular season. We, We reduced that one preseason but with 17 regular season games, the starters play a little bit more. So that's why those are there. But you can see the numbers are coming down a little bit. They are working to make it better. The part of that is they were sued. Um, multiple concussions leads to CT, CTI, I think it is, which is a CTE. brain. Yeah, it's a CTE brain uh, disease, it, it the concussions mess with, and this isn't just in football, but it causes literally you're taking something, <clears throat> smashing it in, and it doesn't rebound and grow because the brain stops its growth at a certain point, and it's before here. It's not like a muscle, you break a leg, it heals back type stuff. You don't get that full, and it could be um, – develop almost like air pockets when they slice the brain up. They can see it. It's not just football. 
like I said, anything that where you have contact with the head a lot generates concussions. Boxing is a big one. And we all remember Muhammad Ali led to Parkinson's that he had, but I'm sure if they did an autopsy, he was severe. He had severe um, CTE on that one. There's the number one sport to get concussions is not football. It's soccer. And as we were discussing before the show, heading the football or the soccer ball can cause a lot. And we'll get into the measurements when I get into the helmets of the different forces on the hits and how a light hit may not seem significant whatsoever. But if you build up some hits in the medium range, um, it can be accumulative down the line. So that's, we're trying to figure out how to fix it. To me, it's an engineering problem. Just like with cars, back in the days, we didn't have seat belts. You didn't have an airbag. You got in an accident. Your hair, head smashed the steering wheel, right? Cut it open. If you didn't have your seatbelt on, you went flying through the windshield, right? With the greatest of ease. It was not a good thing. So they worked on the safety factors of that. They strapped you in, right? They gave you an airbag. Race cars, they strap you in. They lock down the head. They have certain Hans devices, it's called, that hook up to the helmet to lock down the head so it can't smash forward, throwing the brain forward. And uh, But they designed the cars also to absorb impact. I'm wondering if we could do that in football to absorb impact, and the helmet makers are working on just that. They're getting better. And we'll do that, go over some of that right now. The switch screens here. Uh, the NFL and the Players Association have their own website dedicated to concussion protocol and return of participation. Uh, you're seeing it right there. I did not know that. Yes, <laughs> they do. It's that big of a deal. And, uh, and it goes through all the checklists, and I'll go through the checklist momentarily. Uh, even gives pictures and drawings for the visual types. Who can identify where they need to go, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, and the return to football protocols. All this got updated as of Tua's second concussion in October. The on-the-field checklist is called a go-no-go checklist. If a player is identified to have hit his head and it's got to take two things and exhibits symptoms, right? And there's a whole slew of symptoms that can be that suggest a concussion or a stinger. A stinger is usually when a nerve gets pinched right, right in the spinal area. Uh, I thought one of the players I saw watch game last week and got it because his shoulder was down and he was, Constantly rubbed. That's a sign of a stinger where two discs will compress on that nerve. But you got to remember your nervous system is not just the brain, but it's the brain stem and your nerve nerves going down. 
if they demonstrate any of that, they have to be evaluated. And uh, they can be identified by the athletic trainer, Boothlect athletic trainer team, um, team physician, NFL game official, coach, teammates, the sideline, unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. That's the dude that got fired in Miami. Um, or the booth UNC can identify these guys. So there's everybody on the field, basically, on the sidelines. And a few guys up in the booth can say, nope, pull him out. He needs identified. He, We saw him get hit in the head. He's exhibiting symptoms, right? Then they go through this go, no-go checklist deal. I know it's hard to see, um, but it's basically are they showing symptoms? They have tests, right? The test in the old day was how many fingers am I holding up? And, you know, they go like this. How many fingers am I holding up? And you go, four, coach. And he goes, you're <laughs> good to go. Get back in, right? Well, it's a little <laughs> bit more than that. Um, but they have the series of tests. If they pass those and nothing seems to be wrong, they go play again, right? If they don't pass them, they can't. They go on to um, the locker room. They have to be taken from there to the locker room. They do more exams, uh, and they have a neurologic exam that they can do. They can do full-blown CTEs, uh, scans, not CTEs, neural scans, and they do have one done in the preseason. That's their base for the season, which I found interesting. Um, the NFL takes it serious. And if, if all that looks good and checks out in the locker room, and the player's going, dude, I'm all right. Send me back. They can go back in. But if it doesn't, if any one of those things on the go, no-go checklist is bad, they're done. They're done. They're kept in there. They're kept safe. The whole works. If it's bad enough, they'll take them to the hospital. It's, it's a serious deal. You don't want players endangering themselves and their long-time ability to play this is where we get into the multiples. Darisaw Evans, uh, even Tua, if you want to talk about, you're, you could possibly shorten your career. And the NFL obviously doesn't want it. We don't want it. We don't want a number one offensive tackle in the league to be gone after this season because he's had too many brain injuries. No, we want him to play a long time. Good long time, right? So they do that. Um, yes, Purple Haze. Part of that was Blue Tent. Yes, they'll take them in there too. Now, when we get through all of that, they've determined to have a concussion. Then they have to go through what we constantly hear is the protocol. Well, actually, it's the third part of the protocol. It's the return to play um, phase of it. Once you're in, right, you're done for the day. Now you've got to go through this five-step process, five-phase process to get back on the field. Well, I know you guys probably can't read it unless you're zooming in or watching it on a big screen. But the, in phase one, it's limited activities, period. Limited light, no reading, no TV, limited. I mean, it's just a minimal, they want minimal mind usage as possible, right? They just want you to mellow out and chill. Right. Phase two, you're getting into aerobic exercise, 
exercises and can you handle this? And they're being evaluated this whole time. Phase three, football-specific exercises, and you're supervised. This can be some strength training, some uh, specific drills, uh, but no more than about 30 minutes and constantly being monitored. Phase four, it's uh, club-based. You can go through all that, but no contact drills. You're const- the, the time goes up. You're going through the drills, but you can't make contact with anybody. You're constantly being monitored again. And then phase five, once you're cleared by the club physician for full activity, you must have another neuro consultant come in, the one that's assigned to the club, do an evaluation, make sure your brain activity is back to baseline, the one you took in the preseason, and then you'll be cleared and go through. Christian Derisaw completed phase five this week. The average time for a player to be in the protocol, right, from being diagnosed, he had a concussion, to when he's released from phase five is nine days. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was actually that long. I always figured, hey, you know, he got a concussion. He can turn around in a week and be back, right? Darisol was first concussion. That's what he was. He's back in a week. But it builds up and it tends to get longer. And as we know, Darisol was out much longer the second time. We don't even know if he's going to play Sunday, even though he's Mm -hmm. past that. Now, with that, we're going to look at helmets. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm going to go over to helmets are tested by both the NFL and... West or Virginia Tech tests helmets every year. The NFL also tests helmets every year. I don't have their results for 2022, but they're similar. Um, and the NFL has a whole list. The last one I saw was for 20, I think 2020 or 2021. Improvements have been made by the helmet companies since then. Now, most teams including the Vikings. If you see right here in the middle column, Rydell Speed Flex. They use a series, the Rydell Speed Flex series of helmets to to be able to play, or that's the most preferred. Uh, Michael, how many different types of helmets there are? There are, uh, I think, let me, I did not want to shrink that. They Virginia Tech tests 28 different helmets. Rydell's a big number, or a big maker. Schutt is a big maker. Uh, Viscous is another one. There's a few others that we know of. The worst one they test on this, and I I keep moving that. I don't want to do that. Stop that. That's what happens when you have a trackpad. You're not doing what he wants. Okay. You see that shut Air Pro on the bottom. Stay it's their worst that graded. That's good for considered for varsity. The Air X Pro, it's got three star rating. 
And uh, it's also the cheapest helmet. <laughs> now, when it comes to price, you might think, well, maybe price wants to go into it. The, the players do not have to pay for their helmets. The team does. So you wonder if there's any cheap owners that say, no, I want to go with the cheapy helmets. No, a player gets to pick out his helmet. Dan Snyder. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing, but yes. But the Rydell, like I said, in the middle column here, the speed flex, if you look at number 14 there, that's the base speed flex. But the whole speed flex line is the most popular helmet in the NFL. They do this rating system. I'm going to switch screens real quick after you pop back in. Um, Go back to our slideshow screen because I wanted to show you something. There is, this is the test. They literally sit there and they, like crash dummy, they've got sensors in the neck. They impact on the sides, the backs, the fronts, all over on the head, and they measure, right? That was just a brief clip of what they do. And they measure all these helmets. And they come up, they have the sensors in them, and they get ratings. The ratings go from zero to shitty on the bottom. The worst one that's allowed on there is the three-star at 25.77. Okay? If I click on this, it will tell us, gives me the weight of the helmet, four pounds, which is a light helmet. Most NFL helmets run between four and a quarter and four and three quarters pounds. Um, that includes face mask. This is the cheapest. And they break it down by energy impact. What can cause damage? You have on a low end, low end should cause no damage, right? Just tap, whatever. It causes no damage. High end gives you a concussion, okay? Medium is about halfway in between there. And it can give you accumulated damage um, hit after hit. It builds up. So, as you can see, this low-end helmet is crap. It's better than anything we had before, better than what I played with. But per this, it's not so good. Like I said... Most players use the Rydell Speed Flex line, and they go from a 4.49 score all the way down to a, um, what is it, 3.23? No, here's the best one, 1.69. I don't know which one Evans and Darisol's wearing. They're wearing Speed Flex. You can tell by looking at the helmet what type of helmet it is because of the whole placements and the the cutout and the top and all that. You can tell what it is. But these helmets, you know, protect. If I want to look at the Speedflex Diamond, the high end Speedflex, this is a heavier helmet. It's over, it's like 4.8 pounds. Okay, no biggie. You're a 310-pound lineman. (laughs) You can carry that extra weight on your head. That's not a big deal. Cost is around 500 bucks, right? A little bit over. And when you get to the injury factors, you can see this graph is a whole lot different than that cheap one at the bottom. You have low, the medium, you're not building a whole lot of, you know, residual. And you have 
a score for the high, it's a lot lower, like a lot less chance of getting seriously hurt with this helmet versus the one that we looked at originally. My deal is, if the helmet's protecting your head, like a shell protects an egg, the stronger that shell is, the more protection you're going to have inside, as long as it doesn't shake and rattle real bad. I did want to show, this is what happens in a concussion. This is front to back. The brain slams front, bruises the front frontal cortex right here, and then it whips back and bruises the back end of the brain, or can, depending on the force of the blow. Uh, this is where in cars you can get whiplash, can give you a concussion. Not only can it hurt your neck, it can give you a concussion because your brain slaps around. Same goes for the side. You hit the side, it can hit here, the brain moves over, smack, and then it bounces back off the other side. Now, also with the side, if you get glanced and it's too hard, the brain can twist and hit the sides at the same time because it's it's just floating in there. There's a little gap all the way around, and it's sitting in fluid, and it can bam against the side. That's what physically a concussion is and what we don't want it. Now, that is caused by energy, mass, energy hitting, causing the skull to move quick enough. If you can dissipate that energy, just like a race car dissipates it if they're going into the wall, you can avoid that um, that injury. So if you can dissipate it, and we've got a rating system here that says the best Rydell is a 1.69, why not go with a better helmet? And the best one that they tested for 2022, these are 2022 numbers, is the Viscous Zero Trench. Trench specifically designed for linemen. Uh, the They like to call them speed players, right? Your corners, your, your running backs, all that. They, they tend to like a smaller helmet for some reason, even though they weigh the same, right? They're all in there. Um, I would want to go with a better helmet, especially if I'm coming off my second concussion. Now, I want to show you the ratings on this. As you can see, we went from a 1.69, which is very good compared to that 27 point whatever. And anything I think that's under five gets the five stars. We're now down to a 0.052 for the best helmet. And if you're a speed player, I'd say use the viscous zero if, you're, if that bothers you too much. But if we look at this one, the weight is under that Rydell helmet. It's under four and three quarter pounds. It's probably about 4.7 with face mask. It's cost, yeah, it's not cheap. You're paying 800, 900 bucks for it. But like I said, the team's playing for it. And if you're a player for my team, you're my investment. I want you to last a long time, especially if you're good, right? And look at that rating. This is the same exact scale that we've seen on all three of these helmets, right? Your chance at low is minimal. Medium is just barely above minimal. And high is way lower than all the rest, right? 
so it is safer, it dissipates more energy, and you are less likely to get a concussion wearing this helmet. As weird a helmet as it looks. As weird a helmet as it looks. And there's the one team I know that uses it, San Francisco. There's a ton of players that use this helmet. Looks like a Nick bike Bosa helmet. Nick Bosa uses that one. New yeah. Nick Bosa uses that one. Yep. It looks, it, to me, it sort of looks like a weird bike helmet, motorcycle or bicycle type deal. And uh, But you can see it's the safest helmet on the market right now. And I just hit screen lock. Uh, great. Here we go. Hey there, Ted. How you doing, buddy? Glad to see you there. Leather helmets, there's old saying, if you're not going to be hitting with helmets, you know, it might be safer. But one of the other big sports with concussions is rugby. And we know they use basically a leather helmet, if that. Um, so. But I would like, all right, after each game, everybody's helmet gets x-rayed for cracks, right? If it's damaged, it gets replaced. That's automatic right now. Everybody, doesn't matter who the player is, after every game, all the helmets get x-rayed, which is good. The NFL's on top of this. They want to fix it. If I'm coming off my second concussion, if I'm Darisol, I'm going to the team trainer and say, I want the best helmet I can get. That's this one. Get me one, right? And all these companies, Viscus, Rydell, um, should, they all do batches for the NFL. The NFL gets discounts because when they're making them for the NFL, they're making them in quantity. If a player has a big head, weird shaped head, whatever, they will do custom fittings. They will literally mold his head if he has to, to make the helmet for him. If I was Evans or uh, Darisol, right? If I was Darisol, I'd immediately go to this helmet because I want to protect my career. My career is what's going to make me tons of money and set up my family, right? I don't want to be out by the time I hit my second contract because I'm only on my rookie contract now. I want to play longer. So I need to keep my head in the game and keep it safe. I'm going to put on the, the best helmet I can find. That is my... Uh, solution or how I'd go about this. And hopefully it works. I don't know if it does. Um, I don't know if they will use that. Not, not that it doesn't work, but it does work. But it's it's something that you want to keep. You want to protect the brain. And speaking of protecting that brain, that brings us to the end of this segment. And what do we have always on the end of this segment? We go back. Beer. And we talk about Beer, Speaking which also of, has an impact on the brain, which also has a yep, you got that right. Uh, Lake Monster Brewing partners of the show, they brew great stuff. And uh, uh, Michael asked, Do the Vikings allow players? Yes, the NFL, the league, and the players' associations, the NFL allows players to choose which helmet. Out of the approved helmets they have, they can choose from. They can say no to a helmet. And some helmets have come off their list, and players have gotten pissed because they wore that. Tom Brady was one of them. Harrison Smith is one of them. They're, they were older-style helmets, and they said, no, you can't do it. But if it's on the list, you can. the player can choose which one he wants. If I'm a player, if I'm Christian Derrissaw, I'm going with the one with the most protection possible. 
because I want a nice long career and make hundreds of millions of dollars in the process. Um, but we're talking about Lake Monster. I did not have a chance to look what they have on tap. I'm sh- pretty sure it's similar to last week. They're normal stuff, but the big deal they have is tomorrow they have the holiday market. The game is in Detroit. So you're not going to the stadium. The game is in Detroit, unless you're traveling to Detroit. But the game is in Detroit. So it means you don't have to go to the stadium to watch it. You still want to watch it on TV. Guess what? Like Monster has big screen TVs all over the place. They also have the holiday market because not, I can almost guarantee you, not all of your Christmas shopping's done. And if you want to partake of the local artisans, it's a perfect place to do that. Drink good beer. And if you buy enough, you get free beer. God, I love that. And uh, it'd be a great time. Watch the game. Look at great art, crafts, whatever. Drink fabulous beer. Be around your friends. Have a great time. Lake Monster over in St. Paul. That brings us to theme three. And you know what this is. We're going to talk. Game preview. Game preview. Game preview. All right. As we start, we start normally with the numbers. Same old, same old every week. We'll start off with the Vikings offense. Vikings offense has not changed for the PFF power ranking. They are 12th. Versus the Lions defense. Lions defense is 26 per PFF, which to me seems a little high, but okay. (laughs) Football outsiders. We have Vikings offenses now up to 18th. Overall, 19th in the pass, 16th in the run. Against, on the defensive side, Lions 19th. Overall, 17th against pass and 25th against the run. Obviously, they're bad at the run. When we look at Elias Sports Bureau, you're back at a, a card stats, your ESPN, your NFL.com, CBS, all that. Um, Vikings offense is down to 19th in yards, 9th in passing, 25th in rushing, which is a surprise to me, but we're a better rushing team. We're 10th in points, however. We've given up 30 sacks. Uh, we have, we're have 7th in turnovers. We've given up 12. When it comes to their defense, they're 32nd in yards, 27th in passing, 28th in rushing, 32nd in points. Bad. They are 27th in sacks with only 22. They have uh, their 14th uh, turnover differential. They're plus one. And they have 14 takeaways, or they're 14th in takeaways with a total of 15. The over and under, like we discussed, 51 and a half points. And as of this morning, the Lions are favored by two points. We'll get to the Lions' offensive numbers here in a second, David. Uh-huh. They're coming up. I keep seeing Ted stuff up there, and I want to give him a call. All right, let's see. Stay on the line, Ted. I'm going to mention you here in a couple of minutes. Yep. They have a – here we go. Vikings defense, 13th. Stayed even. Per PFF, PFF loves it. I don't know where they get that from, but they love it. They have uh, the offense of the Lions, 22nd. I don't see where they get that either. 
but PFF's weird sometimes. Football Outsiders has our defense 18th overall, 24th against pass, 14th against the run. And anyway, there we go, losing Darren again. They have Lions offense 9th overall, pass at 11th, and 10th against the run. Elias Sports Bureau numbers. Vikings are 31st, stayed there, didn't move. On yards, 32nd passing, 16th rushing, 22, 22nd points, 16th. Uh, the defense is 16th with sacks. They have 30. They're third with differential plus eight. That's a big key to the Vikings' defense success is the turnovers. And uh, they're fifth with 20 takeaways. The Lions side on their offensive side when it comes to the box score numbers are seventh in yards, eighth in passing, 11th in rushing, sixth in points. They've given up 19 sacks and they're given uh, their 12th with 14 turnovers. When we get to special teams, our special teams still 20th, stayed the same even after Greg. Joseph's good day last week. Um, it didn't move up or down. The Lions are ninth. Vikings by 14 plus tomorrow, Drew. God, from your lips. God, I like it. I hope so. Injury reports. Vikings, Bullard's out. He's got a bicep problem. On Harrison the IR Smith now. has a neck issue, but I suspect he'll play. Garrett Bradbury has a back issue. I suspect he'll play. Christian Darisaw. Is out of protocol. The only reason he's questionable on this list is because I think the staff doesn't want to rush him back too quickly. When it comes to Lions, you see all those outs, doubtfuls, and questionables. There are only two starters on that entire list. They do have a big list. The two starters that are questionable are nickel corner Will Harris and uh, starting outside corner um, Jeff Okuda. That's it. Everybody else is backups. So, now we're getting into why does Vegas like them so much? Yeah, we've been. Uh, we know that the Vikings are a uh, underdogs going into this game in Detroit, uh, which again seems odd when you have five more wins than the team that you're playing, <laughs> even even if you're on the road. Uh, but uh, uh, I wanted to uh, mention uh, uh, Ted Glover, a friend of the show, uh, also a co-author uh, of a Vikings Report, which just had their new new show drop this morning. Uh, he brought something up this week, and I wanted to to mention that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important in this game to look at the, as my dog keeps fucking barking. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's uh, something I wanted to bring up is the quality of the competition that both teams have, fa- have faced the past five games. Lions are four and one, getting a lot of love right now because they're four and one. Uh, I'm not disputing that they're not a better team, a better, much better team than they were last year or even at the beginning of this year. But they're four and one. The Vikings are also four and one over that stretch. The Lions, uh, the combined record of the Lions, the teams the Lions have faced is 28, 33, and one. The combined record of the Vikings, the teams that the Vikings have faced during that stretch is 38, 22, and one. Uh, so by records, we've played a much 
more difficult yeah, slate of teams. Nine and one over our last ten games. Yeah, and then even and then you've got the pro football focus uh, rankings up there of the teams we'd faced. Again, you can see we the Vikings faced the Bills, Dallas, the Jets, first, second, and ninth in Football Outsiders DVOA. Patriots twelfth, not too shabby. Washington seventeenth. That was the worst team we mm-hmm. faced thus far. Defense. The the Lions. The Lions. Again, face the Bears, 29th in DVO. Jaguars, 24th. Giants, 21st. That team from Wisconsin, 15th. And Bills, the first. So whether you want to go by winning the records of the teams that we've, we, both teams have faced the past five games or a football analytics site like Football Outsiders, the Vikings have, have got the That's same record, mm-hmm. but a much tougher uh opponents that they have faced so i don't know what that means uh, going into well and and of course you hear the detroit fans we almost beat buffalo yeah but and we did did beat buffalo so you know if if you're hearing people squawking that the vikings are like gonna lose tomorrow uh they don't have a chance i don't know if anybody's saying that but if they are just look at the teams that both team that the teams that we've both faced and look at their records and their rankings and see if, you know, there's, you know, just keep that in mind tomorrow anyway. But uh, records aside, uh, this is a game that um, you, you, we saw the stats earlier. This is a game where I think the Vikings offense has to do the heavy lifting again uh, because uh, the, the Lions are playing really good on, on offense right now. Yes, they're not they having really faced great defenses during that stretch, but uh, you can't discount what they've done even against it's the NFL. They've, they've been very productive uh, and they've been very productive all season. They're actually the sixth scoring uh, offense, uh, sixth, uh, you know, they're sixth in scoring uh, in average points per game, 26.3. That's pretty damn good. Uh, better than the Vikings who are right now 11th. Uh, so, uh, the, I think the Vikings offense has to do the heavy lifting tomorrow. They've got to, you know, they again, we talked about the dry spells. They can't be having this multiple five drives in a row, three and outs. Uh, be, uh, in that case, we, we've got to be moving the ball, having long clock killing drives and scoring touchdowns and not kicking field goals. I mean, that's a recipe for success every game. But when you're facing a pretty good an offense that's just functioning really, really well right now, it's even more important that you do that. And uh, the, I think the Vikings here, uh, they've their offense has played pretty well against some very tough defenses the past five weeks. And they're facing a defense that isn't really very good <laughs> tomorrow. So this is a game where I expect the Vikings, I not only, I really expect the Vikings to be able to do that heavy lifting because uh, the, the Lions defense, uh, they played a little bit better lately, but they don't have uh, really a whole lot of elite, any elite talent on the defense right now. Sorry, Drew. Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's going to be really good. Uh, I think he's a good player right now. I don't say I don't think he's not quite a game wrecker right now. But uh, and if you look at again, Pro Football Focus uh, rankings, the the top rated Lions defensive player is Deshaun Elliott, who's ranked 28th out of 88 safeties in the NFL right now. He's their top-ranked player on defense. So the Vikings, they should be able to move the ball. Um, like Kirk Cousins, and, and the, they don't defend the run all that well. So Dalvin Cook should be a factor, as he usually is against Detroit. Uh, they don't rush the passer all that well. Aiden Hutchinson's their top guy with six sacks. So Kirk Cousins, and if Darisaw's back, that's going to lead to better protection along the offensive line. More time for Kirk Cousins to throw, and we know when he has time to throw, 
he really thrives and picks defenses apart. And he's facing a defense. If he has time to throw against this Detroit defense, I think there's going to be a lot of success there. Now, we can't have Justin Jefferson having only three catches for 14 yards like he did the last game against Detroit. But I'm confident that won't happen because Kevin O'Connell's done a much better job of moving JJ around and not letting uh, coverages dictate when he threw when the ball gets thrown to Justin Jefferson. Uh, so I don't see him getting shut down like he did uh, in that first game first against game. Detroit, particularly after last week where he had a you know he had a tough go of it uh, against the Jets, uh, playing against some very good corners. Um, so I offensively I feel very good coming into this game. Um, I think when you, you had a picture of Dan Campbell up there and, Mm -hmm. uh, I think defensively, one of the things that's really challenging when you face Detroit is that, uh, you've got to be as a defense prepared to, uh, defend for four downs, not three downs because they gamble on fourth down a lot. Uh, actually 26, they've, uh, they've only the Cardinals go for it more on fourth down than the Detroit lions. The lions have gambled, uh, have, have, uh, have gambled on fourth down 26 times this year. They've converted half of them, uh, so 50%. But I, I think that's a unique challenge uh, and against uh, for a defense because uh, if, uh, especially if the if Detroit gets around midfield or into our territory, uh, if it's fourth and one or fourth and two or even fourth and three and fourth and four, they're not punting the ball or settling for field goals. They're going for it on fourth down and trying to score touchdowns. And so for a defense, Ed Donatel's defense. Your game, your job isn't over if you stop them from getting the first down on third down, because Dan Campbell's aggressive and he's going to go for it on fourth down. And they did that again in the first game against the Vikings. They went for it four times on fourth down. They converted four of those. Uh, So I think that's a unique challenge that defenses that are facing the Lions uh, are are deal with, and with and it's one that Ed Donatel's defense is going to face. Uh, tomorrow, uh, and they've had trouble getting off the field a, a lot of times. Well, uh, the biggest, I'll be uh, interested. Yeah. Biggest weapon I was about to say is not DeAndre Swift. I, actually, he's good. Um, it's this guy. Well, yeah, it is that guy. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Dan Campbell uh, continues to be that aggressive though, Dave, because uh, I think now that the, the Lions are kind of a fringe playoff candidate, mm-hmm. there's a lot more on the line for them in games than you know, he's, he's not just gambling and trying to get the first win of the season or the first road win of, of he's his trying to get a wild card career. Spot. He's trying to get a wild card spot. And maybe that impacts his, you know, like go for it mantra that he's had for two seasons now. Maybe he gets a little tighter, maybe a little bit more conservative. We'll see. But uh, that's just something that you've got to watch out for with the Vikings. The other guy that you got to watch out for, the, the, the guy that makes this whole offense go, in my opinion, is the guy right there, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, over 70 catches so far this year. Uh, he's not like the big yardage guy like Justin Jefferson. He's, uh, but um, he's an excellent X and wide receiver. Uh, knows how to run the routes, great hands, great taking, uh, you know, with yards after the catch. Uh, and and the Lions, as you would with your best offensive player, they scheme ways to get him open. And uh, also, he's a guy that he's going to eat up that soft shell that giving you a, giving a backing off uh, five or six yards off mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage kind of defensive philosophy that Ed Donatel in our defense takes. He'll eat that up. So I really... You know, if I'm dead at Donatel, I don't expect to see it tomorrow, but I would be like, I'd make them like we hear about the Patriots all the time. 
Try to take uh, give extra attention to Amon Ross St. Brown. Make the Lions play left-handed on offense. Try to shut him down. Press him at the line of scrimmage because he's not a guy who, who catches a lot of deep throws. His longest right. reception this year is about 48 yards, and that was week two. Uh, so, But you got to stop him. In the first game against Detroit, uh, the Detroit's offense was carving us up. Amon Ross St. Brown was catching balls all over the place. Then he hurt his ankle. He wasn't the same player, and the Lions offense was not as effective the rest of the game without him right. at 100%. But that was early in the season. Our defense hopefully has progressed a lot further since then. Yeah, you looking at uh, <laughs> uh If you look at the scores and stuff, that. no, it doesn't look that way. But I think play-wise, I test, there are times when they look a lot better. Now, there's a whole lot of this Ben, 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 Ben. And not break until it's red zone, you know, or hold and not break. But it, it drives us crazy. But I do think they're playing, they're communicating at least better, it appears, than they did yeah, at the beginning the, of the season when they played the Lions. You know, when. With 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 Amon Ross St. Brown St. Brown, you know, make DJ Cherick beat you, make Khalif Raymond beat you, make um, Josh Reynolds beat you, make DeAndre Swift beat you. Don't let this guy beat you. I think is one of the right. things. Uh, but uh, you know, along with Amon Ross St. Brown, something that the Detroit has really done really well is they've got a very good offensive line right now. Penesu Suell, Taylor Decker on the ends, Frank Ragnow in the middle, uh, Jared Goff. It's a well-established crumbles under pressure. If you get consistent pressure on him, he does not operate very well. Uh, and uh, he's even, you know, if you think Kirk Cousins is not mobile, watch Jared Goff play when he has to scramble and you see a guy who really is not mobile and who cannot make plays when he gets brushed off his spot. So that's a big key. But this year, nobody can get pressure except the Dallas Cowboys who are getting pressure on everybody. Nobody can get pressure on Jared Goff. He's been sacked 19 times this year. That's third least in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and in the game, the first game against the Vikings, the Vikings didn't sack him once. They barely got a hand on him. And, uh, and, it, and it was a big problem. And it'll be, be a big problem tomorrow. So uh, I don't know how you deal with that. Uh, the Ed Donatel does not like to blitz much. I would like to see a bit more of that at certain times. Um, but you got to be ready that the that this is going to be a game, just like we've seen a lot of other games, where uh, the Lions are going to move the ball on us. They're going to get some yards. Uh, we just have to, like we did against the Jets, when, we get to, when they get deep, we have to limit them to field goals, not so much touchdowns. I think if you keep the Lions offense, if you keep – there we go. I want to answer GMAC's questions. Tomorrow you're going to see Patrick Peterson on one side, Cameron Dantzler on the other. The Lions. Sullivan at the nickel. Not Xavier Rhodes and Chris Cook. That was a long time ago. Oh, Drewster, Drewster, Drewster. Um, but Dantzler should be all right. I I, I don't see uh, what corners we have. Them having um, a terrible day. I'm on St. Brown is good. He's elite. Um, but the corner should be able to close everything down and the safeties and the linebackers. And I think we have a defense that can stop this offense tomorrow. 
I don't, I don't buy into they're going to score the same amount of points as our offense. Their offense does not have the all-around talent that ours does in the weapons positions. Their offense has a better offensive line than ours does, but it does not have all the weapons when it comes to wide receivers and running backs, not of the quality that the Vikings do. So I think the Vikings, I think our defense can, and they've learned from that first game, that they can do better. Lene, our defense does blitz on occasion. It's just poorly timed and poorly executed. I don't like the way Ed does it as much. He's it's a frustrating <laughs> point of the season. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I one thing I didn't mention is uh, is when I was talking about that uh, we'll see how much of an impact Cam Dansler coming back tomorrow uh, makes on on this on our pass defense in particular. Um, not that Caleb Evans and Duke Shelley uh, played badly when they were in there, but uh, they're. But Dancer was is the starter because the Vikings defensive coordinator Ed Donatello feels that he's a better cornerback. I think that 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 also the eye test tells me that uh, we'll see how much of a difference that makes as well. And um, and and I'll, it'll be interesting to see how Daniil Hunter operates because he was out most of the week with an illness. Is he still a bit weakened oh, from from that? Will he have third uh, of the defense was out because the illness? Yeah, I think it's probably he, the same style cold I've got. Uh, you know, there's flu. There's a bad flu bug going around here in the states, and we also know a cold. That's a respiratory type deal starts bad. Um, that's been going around, so it's. Uh, I, I think that's what they got, and if I'm sure the sports science team have have them plugged full of vitamins and all the good stuff and IVs and whatever it takes to make them ready. And get them through it. Yeah, yeah GMAC pressure. Yeah, these guys are pressure you know, is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pressure, pressure is key. Be. But uh, but uh, I don't I don't know based on what every other team other than Dallas has done against the Detroit Lions offensive line this year. I don't know if uh, if we're going to really be able to put on that consistent pressure. Uh, and if Hunter is not able, if his snaps are limited a bit, and you got DJ Wanham taking more of those snaps. Then, because Hunter's not feeling 100% or even 90%, uh, that's going to impact, I think, uh, you know, our, the our ability to pressure as well. Because DJ Hunter, uh, DJ Wanham, is not the same guy as Daniil Hunter, even though Hunter's been pretty quiet the past couple of games himself. Well, and you got to remember, they're going against Sewell. Yes, Hunter's going against Sewell on that side, so it's not a bad tackle at all. No, he's a very good one. Consider, I think. I heard considered the best right tackle in the league right now, and he's young. We happen to have the best left tackle if he plays. We'll see. Yep. But, you know, it's a tomorrow is a, Drew is saying a 14-point uh, win for the Vikings. That would be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that this could be a stub-your-toe game for the Vikings, but I, I expect that it's going to be – going to be close like nine of our 12 games have been this year and uh, and you know it's going to be fourth quarter we're going to be like biting our fingernails once again having a heart attack uh and but the vikings have been finding a way uh almost Thank every you, week and i'll watch your show after this like i normally do look forward to it now tomorrow we do need to have 
Kirk be Kirk O'Change again. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to see him here. I want the offensive line. Ed's getting better. You know how many pressures he's had in the last two games? Zero. Given up? No, he's given up one each in each game. Which is, which is a big improvement. He's improving. Yeah. So um, Kirk has time. We now have, we forgot to even mention it, uh, TJ Hawkinson, who uh, is now with the Vikings. There's going to be a little bit of revenge factor probably there because he wasn't utilized the way he should have been, where we're utilizing him better. That's going to help free up Justin because it's that over top, bottom, or intermediate range stuff. I think Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson are going to have a uh, big day tomorrow. I think it's going to be a good thing. One other or a couple other people I want to see have a good game are these two fine gentlemen. Get some good quality runs. You know, keep that, mixing that up, bang, 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 set up to play action. I think those are keys to the game. And I think Justin, JJ, like it was GMAC that said, you know, he was embarrassed that first game. He's going to be out there for blood. Always like uh, a motivated player. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's motivated anyway, but extra motivation is uh, always good. And, and yeah, uh, the run game, I expect it to Dalvin Cook to be very effective tomorrow. And uh, it'd be good to see him. I think if, if we see Dalvin Cook at the end of the game, if we see the Dalvin Cooks had 24 or 25 carries, that's a very good sign for the Vikings because I think that that means that we haven't had those multiple three and outs. We've been able to work in and have a, uh, not that the, the Vikings try to run it and be balanced, but uh, his carries are limited because we have so many three and outs, especially in the third quarter. So you can't really feed him and, and get him going and kill the clock like we'd like to. Right. Um, yeah. Hey, that's it. What are you going to do tomorrow if we clinch the division? I'm going to order my divisional title T-shirt. That's exactly what I'm doing, too. After I drink and uh, mix in a little drinking and a little debauchery tomorrow night, I am ordering the 2022 NFC North Division Champion Minnesota Vikings T-shirt. And really important, too, not just for the division, but uh, to keep pace with the number one seed. Well, I think they're uh, still going to the- try. Yeah, hope hopefully the hopefully the Giants can do us a solid and beat the Eagles tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, the Cowboys are playing the Texans, so there's no way they're losing that one. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if if we lose tomorrow, we not only fall off of the pace of 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 the number one seed, but the Cowboys could catch us and move up to number two. I think if they win and yeah. we lose. No, if as long as the Eagles are above the Cowboys, Cowboys can never catch us. They may have a better record, hmm. but they never catch us. The, um, oh, because we'd be divisional leaders. We're, we're divisional winners. That'll be a wild card. Um, okay. That is, we have to actually blow it over the next remainder of the season to possibly, possibly drop down to the third seed. We've mm. almost got the second seed wrapped up. That's how big of a cushion we have with those ten wins. And, uh, but we hope to get if we could get that first seed if. Philadelphia stumbles between now and then and loses two games, right? And we don't, yeah. and we get that first seed. That locks up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
gives us the week off and home field advantage. There is no travel. That is such a huge advantage when it comes to the playoffs. Yes, there are teams that have done it on the road. They're rare. The ones that have buys, now we only have one team with a buy, and the ones that have that don't have to travel or travel the least have the advantage. That's why we want to keep at least the second seed. Hopefully, hope for the Eagles to to stumble and we pick up the first seed, which would be fantastic, and they'll still be, you won the Super Bowl, but you are frauds. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, that, that's the goal. So, any other things you'd like to talk about today? No, Dave, I already mentioned them just about the, you know, keeping pace, try to keep on that number one seed. Don't want to be, uh, we want the number one seed. We want the week off and we don't want to be traveling to Philly in, in January or actually February. Traveling in, uh, anywhere. When, and who knows Except what the weather's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. And I do want to thank everybody that indulged me when I was talking about concussions and helmets. I do think there's a possible solution or a better way of going about it. I hope the Vikings do that because I want these players to be around a long time and I want them to be healthy. So I do appreciate that. And hopefully you'll understand a little bit more when they talk about players with concussions and different ways that we can hopefully avoid that. Uh, We'll find out on a regular bit and we'll find out tomorrow if the Vikings go in and blow the pants off to him. Kenny's. Which be I'm nice. Hoping I am hoping so bad. With that, hey, we're coming up on the holidays, so everybody be getting a good mood, have a good time, enjoy a little eggnog. I even bought ingredients for my fresh four roses batch eggnog today. I'm looking forward to that greatly. My grandfather passed down that recipe to me, and it is the best. I've heard too many people say can't stand eggnog. Eggnog is gross. Well, this stuff is made from scratch. And I've had people say that. And then I've gone on the third batch, the third batch of 18 eggs, hand beaten, separated, put together, half and half cream um, or cream and milk, half and half, basically. And that recipe is fantastic. And it's got a little bit, a bit of rum and a whole lot of bourbon. Uh, oh God, is it good. Oh, best eggnog you've ever, ever had. And eggnog people that... Uh, Guarantee you try this, you'll love it. And uh, I just, I'm in a Christmas spirit. Lights are up, trees up, listening to Christmas music. It's going to be even better tomorrow when we get to hang that 11th win and the NFC North title on the tree. What do we say, brother? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.